Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy from the Tap Market Podcast. We've got a good one for you today. I've got Derek on here. This is a little bit different than some of the other interviews that we've done because Derek is actually the producer and editor of the Tap Market Podcast. And Derek has been helping me do the video editing, me push out the social media posts, etc. And so I wanted to bring Derek to the community so that everybody can understand how to cut through some of that noise of getting things done and how you can outsource some of this work to a professional and get further reach. And for me personally, I know I would never be able to video edit in social posts as much as we are if I didn't have Derek. And I'd just be stuck in the mundane and not doing the thing that I love, which is interviewing entrepreneurs and getting their story. I would have way less done. So I am so excited that Derek came on to join me. Derek, say hello. What's up, Troy? What's up, everyone? Good to be here. I'm, I'm glad that we uh, worked this out so I could be on here. I appreciate it. Derek actually has his own physical podcast studio that he is recording from, yep. which is awesome. Derek, I want you to start off doing two things for me. Number one, tell everybody about what you do, what Shelby Row Productions does, and then jump back to the beginning and how you got into this and what got you to where you are today. Sure. So uh, I'm sitting in SRP Studios, which is a two-room facility that has three different settings and a lot of different things you can do. But the umbrella is Shelby Row Productions. And it is a what I'm calling a digital content production agency that includes podcasting, long-form audio and video podcasting, in both development and management. So like you, Troy, we developed you. We took you from an idea to iTunes. Right, that's the cheesy little line I like putting out there. So we can coach you through and, and give you the list of the different assets that you need to do, what I need in order to do what I need to do to ultimately syndicate you and get you published. Then we can take over the management role where you're, we're doing your week-to-week or your bi-weekly audio and or video editing. We can do thumbnails. We cut clips. If you, anyone's seen Troy's uh, YouTube channel, it's a prime example of what we can do. Troy does do is the thumbnails, but we edit the long form. And then for every episode, we scour through it and find three quality clips and format it for shorts, reels, and TikToks with some decent captioning. That's the ongoing management that we give our clients. And then we also can do reels editing. If you wanted to send us a a video where you're looking straight into the camera and it's very pointed, it's not repurposing from a long form. It is someone sitting down in front of a camera and giving 30 seconds of quality content, then we can cut those into really higher-end reels that involve animated emojis and and sound effects and stuff. So that's ultimately on the virtual side of things that has been the basis of my company. 
And there's even more that you do for other people than you do for us. I mean, you've gone mm-hmm. as far, I think, as doing social posting for people if they need those third party. Yep. I know you have the capabilities of if somebody wanted to doing like a descript and creating sort of the long form written content of blogs that other people are sort of repurposing onto their podcast pages and whatnot. So there's a lot that people can do. Yeah, you got to squeeze as much juice as you can out of your episode. If anyone listening that has their own podcast, when you record your 45 minutes on audio and video, it's just a gold mine to pull stuff out of for video clips, then transcribe it. And then I don't want to push someone away from me, but chat GPT is what it is, y'all. It's it's so effective. So you can go in there and recreate all kinds of different assets, blog, newsletters, short form content for social posts. So much you can do with an episode. And I always encourage the repurposing. Early on, I would be asked, do I really need to be on video? You know, is it good to be on Zoom? Should I use the video? And I'm like, well, using the full video, sure. I mean, I get that. But if you don't want to have a YouTube channel, but you want to promote your podcast on socials, then record that Zoom call or record that Riverside video and use it to your advantage for repurposing. It's strong. It's all about reach. Yeah. And reach really is just correlated to how much content you can put out in different ways. So tell everybody how you got your start here. Um, mm-hmm. Where did you get into podcasting yourself that got you to actually creating your own studio? So it was just another side hustle. And at the time, we're talking 2000, late 2017, really from 2001 all the way up to COVID, my number one sort of priority and my number one passion and job was being a traveling musician. I was a touring musician for several years, 15 years total. Moved to Nashville for Maine in 2005, started playing full time. That was awesome. But for the most part, a professional, hardworking, money-earning musician, majority of the time, need other jobs. It's just is what it is. You could you could tour heavily all summer and then have nothing for November and December. Well, you got to pay the bills. So it's always, you know, you're always trying to find that side hustle that's flexible, that supplements your income. And I did them all. I drove for Uber. I drove for Lyft. I used to be a part-time appraiser, like taking pictures of cars that were in accidents and just uploading them to an app, 20 bucks a car. You know, that was it. But I had flexible hours. I could leave and come back and it'd be waiting for me. Uber, you leave, you come back, you turn the app on, you're back to work. I used to host trivia nights at my local restaurants and pubs. It was always just a hustle. I've been a hustler. You know, I'm just that kind of person. I've tried the nine to fives and I'm, I'm a rat in a cage, man. I just can't, doesn't work for me. So I needed a new hustle. I needed to add something to the pile. And uh, I just pulled up Google and just Googled work from home. You know, (laughs) this is like, I want to be able to find something that I could literally do on a laptop with internet. You know, I was getting really picky, kind of lazy, you know, like I don't, I wanted to make it as easy as possible. And right at the top of the search was upwork.com and had never heard of it. Anyone that is not familiar with it. And I know you are Troy, that's where we connected, but, um, it's a great platform for entrepreneurs and freelancers that's looking for work. 
You know, you want to be a freelancer, audio editor, video editor, graphic designer. You might be into marketing and you want to coach. You could be a marketing coach, self-employed, independent coach. And you go to this platform and you can search through all the job boards and you find ones that line up with what you want to offer. And you basically apply for the job post. You throw in a proposal uh, in hopes that they're interested and then they invite you in for an interview and then you go from there. It's algorithm-based or rated-based. So the more active you are, the more you're getting pushed up to the top of the search. Get ratings, 5.0 rating or 100% success rate. It shows history of earnings. People give you five stars with reviews. It's right there in the front. So it really can help build your portfolio and your profile. It makes it very powerful. Because often people are going in there to search for the video editor or search for the coach. And the more experience you have within the app, the better you are on the search. And then they would invite you in for an interview. So there's two ways. Someone finds you or you find them. And uh, at first, I was like, I don't feel like I'm qualified for anything. So I'm looking at data entry and telemarketing stuff and just... Low hanging fruit, you know, whatever I can grab onto. And then I saw a post about podcast editing, someone that just needed some simple audio editing. And I could handle that. I can handle the simple stuff. I I could fake it for a while. You know, I could handle that. So I'm like, that's interesting. But I have no, I have no demo. So I have no portfolio yet. So then I search podcast editing, podcast production, whatever. And It was an ocean of opportunity, Troy. It was right in front of me. I'm like, whoa. I didn't realize at the time, we're talking late 2017, that's when podcasting was really starting to pop. That's when businesses really started realizing it was a marketing tool. And I just dove in, man. And that became my new obsession. And I'm telling you, on a daily basis, I was pushing 20 proposals a day, every day, just proposing to anyone that would be willing to talk to me. Again, I had no portfolio. I had nothing to show, but I knew I could do it. And I was able to word my you know, description in a way that would <laughs> try to sell me, right? Then I finally got a client. January 2018, someone hired me to do some editing for them. And I'll never forget the day when I was sitting in my little studio apartment editing someone's audio on Audacity in my house. And I'm like, wow, I'm getting paid to do this? Not a lot. It was 30 bucks a week. You know, but it was something that meant a lot to me. So I just kept going. I had a demo now and just stayed persistent and just obsessed over it to the point where a year and a half later, I had a good client base and found myself in a position where I was in this weird crossroad where I was running out of bandwidth because I still had to have my other side hustles. But whatever time I had left outside of those side hustles was soaked up. I couldn't take in more clients. And I was getting better and better opportunities that ultimately became a no because they're asking me if I can provide transcripts, if I can provide graphic design for you know episode cards or thumbnails, um, higher-end video editing, show notes writing. And I always had to be up front, you know, I, I can't fake those. So I just had to say no. So I was very niche. All I could really do was audio editing and, and basic video editing. So I'm like, all right, I'm looking at, if I want to scale, 
I don't have any bandwidth and I'm losing work because of services that I can't offer. So I decided to start an LLC and mindset go from freelancer to agency and uh, hired an editor, hired one audio editor, which edits this podcast, by the way, shout out to PJ. PJ's editing this right now. He's my first hire and still my best editor. So love you, man. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know PJ. PJ is fantastic when he <laughs> listens to this. PJ, you are the the grease that makes the whole thing work here for Tapped Market Podcast. Oh, okay, okay, that's enough. Eric that's enough. It's all of the uh, praise, but PJ is the real grease. So. Okay, that's enough. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so. Um, now, at first, it was weird because I legitimately lost money. I had to give him, I gave him one or maybe two podcasts that I was editing for. So I automatically lost some money because it hurt my bottom line. You know, I had to pay him the labor for that. But then the key is what you use that free time for. And I just continued to obsess and pound up work and then just started building and layering up that way. Any new client I get, that editing went immediately to PJ. I didn't touch it. And that's what I kept doing to the point where I could eventually just give up everything I was doing. Shortly after hiring PJ, I hired a gentleman by the name of Alex Aerosmith, who's still with me to this day. And that's how it all started for me. I hired a graphic designer. I hired a copywriter to help me with show notes. And when I say hire, it's just more freelancers, more subcontractors that I can lean on and give them work, You know, feed them. I became their client. So I became this sort of middle man. Clients would come to me and they would want a full production package. And I could say yes. But the reason why I could say yes is because I had a team behind me that could handle it all, which ultimately also made a great selling point because I found a lot of people found trust in that. They're like, oh, you're not doing it all. Okay, you're an agency. You have pros behind you. So that made them feel secure that things will be turned in on time and done well. So it worked. One thing that you sort of left out there too in the early on that I think helped you get some experience was you ended up, whether they were successful or not, creating some podcasts yourself. So you were recording as if you were sort of your own customer. And this can be true for anybody out there. So it's like, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the e-commerce space, that find one hack that they work on. It's like, I know I want to write blogs. I want to master SEO for my own website. I'm going to go learn this. I might even get a virtual assistant to help me do this. I may even want to do this for other customers. Let me start out and do it for myself and get good at it. Mm-hmm. And then I could have, you know, start an agency sort of from this and offer it as a service, get a little bit of cash flows as I'm trying to grow my business. There's definitely ways to do that. But you specifically were doing some of your own podcasting as well, correct? Yeah, that started late 19, early 2020. So I started the LLC and and shifted to agency in June of 2019. And I was working with a coach and he's like, why don't you have a podcast? I'm like, good question. Because I already knew. I knew where he was going. He's like, you're a podcast producer and you don't have a podcast? Come on, bro. Like, step it up. And he was right for credibility, but also to be a better producer, to know what it's like on the other side. The issue was always the fact that at that time, I was deathly afraid of cameras and microphones. I didn't like the sound of my own voice. Everyone 
knows that feeling and we've heard it all before. I finally just said, you're right. I got to do this. You got to start. You just got to jump in. You know, you can overthink things and you want everything perfect. Definitely want to be prepared and have a, have a good niche and reason and message and format. At the end of the day, you just got to crank up that microphone and do it. And I knew from word go, I wanted it to be video based as well. So I started a podcast called Pod Logics, and it was a very specific podcast. It was a podcast about podcasting. <laughs> it's just that's all I could think of. That's all I could think of. Like how how I'm trying to tie this podcast into business, how to get clients, right? Well, I make podcasts, so let's talk about how to make podcasts. But it didn't work well for me. My personal at the time, I didn't know this, but I struggled with it. I'm getting better at creating content, expertise content, for sure. You know, I know how to do the top three this and the top five that. But at the time, I didn't. But I tried my best. But it taught me how to interview. It taught me just how to format and, and, and research different ideas. And also, I brought my own team in. Now, you said something about bringing in a VA to help that person write that blog. I was able for the first time in a real way, pull from my team. And now I'm, they're working for me too, directly. That really elevated me, not only as the podcaster, but as an agency owner. Like, oh, I, I can utilize all this talent around me to make my business better. And we, because of all that, built a great system how to produce it. Got my editor involved, got my graphic designer for thumbnails involved. I had one of my assistants take over all the social media. And it really put us in a place that without realizing it, set me up for way more successful podcasting, which as you know, you know, we're eventually going to bridge to the Real Hernando podcast. Yeah, jump into that. The Real Hernando is sort of where you took all of your your experience and your passion to the next level. And I feel like you it was something that you like super connected with. You connected with that the way that I connected with Tap to Market and interviewing the entrepreneurs. You technically are interviewing entrepreneurs yourself, but it's in your location. Mm -hmm. I think this is awesome. I think this is something that other people should be doing. If if you like if if you are passionate about the place that you live, Perk your ears up right now because your town, your city, your metropolitan, you could do this exact same thing and it is going very well. So mm -hmm. please tell us about The Real Hernando because that was also how you got into your studio, yes. which is an awesome bridge. So anyone that's a podcaster out there, this is a story on the power of local and interviewing local people and how that can really ramp up the possibilities of legitimately monetizing your podcast. You know, everyone asks, how do I make money podcasting? You know, well, it's difficult and I'll get to that. But the way it started was I moved to where I live currently now, which is Hernando, Mississippi, just south of Memphis. So I'm in the greater Memphis area. It's a nice area. It's got a nice little historical downtown, you know, square, farmer's market, 17,000 people. But Higher level, so really nice boutiques are supported. Small businesses are very much supported here. So it has a really rich, it's like Mayberry in 2023. And I love it. I love it here. So I finally made the move here in the summer of 21. 
and I was at a farmer's market and I was talking to one of the guys I had known by this point and he, he had a booth and he's a micro roaster. He, he makes coffee, you know, he orders beans and roasts in his own way and very small little side business special for farmer's market. But he was telling me how the local ice cream store uses his coffee for their coffee flavored ice cream and something popped in my head. I was like, this is Mayberry. They're sourcing from each other. This is fascinating to me. I was fascinated by it. And I was like, how do I get involved? How do I get in here? I'm not going to get a booth. I don't sell cucumbers. Like, you know, like I, but how do I break in to be a viable business locally, but also help, you know, be a part of the community as well. So I had this idea, you know, I was like, well, let's, let's start a podcast for the city and call it the, you know, the name was given to me. I don't want to get too deep in the in the weeds here, but I, I met a very special person by the name of Robert Carter that really was what made it all happen for me. He already had a Facebook page called The Real Hernando, and it was supposed to be for pure positivity, you know, helping small businesses and communities to promote and everything. And I told him what, I had an idea to do some a podcast for the city. We connected. He loved the idea, and he gave me the page. He's like, "Run with it," and I did. And for the next six months, we developed a website, got the equipment, you know, started building all the different platforms, skeleton platforms, YouTube channel, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, getting the graphic designing. So it was six months of development, which was special because I was finally building something for myself that I really liked, that I was really engaging with. So the purpose of it was to interview local businesses and organizations as a way to spotlight them. So that's helping the community. But it was my way to break in. Like, it was my marketing arm. At the time, my office was the corner of my bedroom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't I can't invite people in to interview with me. So I set up a little remote situation, and I went to them. No excuse. I would go to their store. We would sit down. I'd throw up one camera, have these little wireless lapel microphones, and go. And I would just interview their story. And as a way to, who's Derek? You know, I was I had this content to push out. Well, this is new, and I'm I'm learning something new about our fellow business owner down the street that's been here for 50 years. But I just learned something new about this person. What is going on? Who's that guy interviewing him? This is really important, and everybody can learn from this in their own right. If you just take a second and you extrapolate this, Derek is just super passionate about his community and serving his community, and he has a business that does podcasting and audio and visual content editing. And he bridged that gap, right, of going out into the community and interviewing them, giving them, right, help. That's the number one thing. The number one reason why we created Tapped Market was that we were going to help the entrepreneurs do co-marketing with each other by talking to other entrepreneurs and creating a community of entrepreneurs that can then connect and work with each other. Same thing. Derek creates this. It's 100% a give to the community. Now, ice cream shop using infused coffee from other shop, both getting interviewed, both getting exposure. You'll get to the point where this takes off. But anyone can do that. If you're passionate about something, you understand how you can give to the community. That's the key. Mm -hmm. And the part that I always loved the most about jumping into the podcasting was that you can come at it with this frame of mind where you don't have to be an expert. You can just be an enthusiast to the space. You're like, I freaking love 
Hernando, Mississippi. I can't say that I'm this expert of anything, but I can walk around with a ton of enthusiasm to learn about these businesses and help them spread their gospel about what they're doing in and around the community. And people are going to learn things. Any entrepreneur can do that if they put a little bit of thought of how they can serve somebody. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but continue that because we're about to get to like keys to the city, the whole nine yards yeah. here. In <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think there's another podcast I may have told you about, but yeah, it bridges to something really, really cool since, since we started working together. We all know about how building a community online, you got Facebook groups, incubators, master classes, you know, you're trying to build a little community like you're doing, Troy. You have an audience, but typically a podcast has very brilliant guests that are from all over the world that don't know each other. When you are in a physical community and you're highlighting people that everybody knows, they spread the gospel, they push it, they support the posts, and your reach just exponentially grows just by proxy of more people liking your posts and more people sharing. And that's what was really eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, man, this is so much better doing it locally. So I did that all 2022. You know, I launched in February of 2022, self-financed it. I looked at it as a marketing budget. This is, this is my marketing right now. I'm trying all the other things like email campaigns. I'm trying all the, all the things. But locally, man, there's nothing more powerful for me than to tap into this way. Although at this time, I couldn't really offer any services locally unless I met someone that was into podcasting and then they Dropbox me files and we edit for them just like we were virtual. But we'll get to that. So meanwhile, I joined the Chamber of Commerce. uh, Another way to just get my business involved that was suggested to me and something I never really would have thought about. So I did it and then immediately made sure that I was active in it. I got my ribbon cutting in front of the chamber office because I didn't have a brick and mortar. That's how they do that way. But a lot of people will get their ribbon cutting. And then what have you done for me lately? Well, I decided to be proactive and I wanted to shake hands. I wanted to network. And I realized I can't do the Instagram networking where you like five posts and comment over here and share and then try to get them to go to your page. And there's a specific kind of method to do online networking, which I hate, I can't do. But locally, again, it goes back to local, so powerful. So I was like, I would get my newsletter from the chamber and I would mark every ribbon cutting in my calendar that I could make and just go to other businesses, ribbon cuttings and get to know the chamber boards, get to know your aldermen. They're showing up. The mayor goes to these things. It's, and I just showed up. And little did I know that I would say around... Late October last year in 2022, the executive director for the chamber reached out and asked if I'd be interested on joining the board. That doesn't happen without being exposed through my podcast. None of that exists. It started there, and then I started being proactive in the chamber, and then I was like, hey, it's podcast guy. And then they voted me in, and ultimately this year, I'm on the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce. Like, If you would have told me five years ago that was going to happen, I would have found a rehab facility for you because clearly you're high on crack. Like, you know, it's just as simple as that. That was special. I didn't see that coming. And now tell us about this place that you're in. Yeah, there's a little overlap here. So 
before I find out that they're offering me a, a seat in the board, so we're talking last summer, May, June, you know, I'm getting some steam locally. I'm like, okay, people are getting to know me. I've always dreamed of having a studio. It was always part of the picture. Ultimately, I was like, you need a studio at some point. To, this is what, you know, podcasting needs studio. That's part of the deal. You know, if I wanted to start a car wash, I'd have to break away from the hose in the driveway, right? So I looked and looked and looked and struggled finding a place until I found this place. And it's a beautiful room right downtown, right near the square. And it was available. And by this time, I knew rent's high around here, but I knew, okay, this is a deal. You know, it's probably higher than most areas. But in my area, I saw a deal in front of me and I just jumped. I just, bam, signed that lease. I'm like, all right, you got a studio, time to figure it out. And I haven't slept much in the last eight months. I'll tell you that. No, but uh, so, so the journey began. And naively, I thought I had enough gear to make it work. No. I mean, it's just, it was months of just buying and investing in more cameras and microphones. And then I noticed the room across the hall was open and it's a beautiful corner office. I was like, man, I wish I didn't see this. So I had to get it. So I did. So now, so it went from one room to two rooms, but just failing forward, fighting through fears. This is where I can really coach on fighting through those fears and the unknown and taking that risk. Like I pushed all the chips in, I have no plan B, and it's game time. Started using it as a way to tune it. So anyone that is wanting to build a studio, you have to use it. You got to play with your toys or it will never grow. It'll never get better. So you can buy all the great equipment. And if it's a facility that you are looking to rent to people to come in to use for you, you got to use it. You got to play with your toys and figure out what looks good, what doesn't, and tweak, 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 tweak. And I started doing that. So I, <laughs> I asked my drummer to come in and just record something at that table right behind me. As you can see, you can see all the mics and the cameras and the lights just to record something. And it was fine. We just shot the shit and, and it was what it was. But I told him how I always had the idea of starting a music-based podcast. I have a bunch of music friends, so that would be a no-brainer, right? Make it a local deal. So when I signed the lease, I knew that was going to be a reality. Several months later, I'm, I'm hanging out with my buddy Jeff here, and I tell him the idea. And he's like, man, can I be on the podcast? Of course. You know, you're a drummer. You're, you know, you're my buddy. That's what it's for. Later that day, I was like, man, I really liked our rapport. And I'm like, I think I, I'm going to offer him to co-host it with me. Hmm. I was like, I like that idea. So I threw it his way. And he instantly started booking guests. And he knows everyone in town more than I do. And all these like historical musicians in the town, because I'm not from here, and off and running. It's called the Rhythm Section Podcast. He's drums, I'm bass, right? Rhythm Section. And to fast forward, because it's local, because all the musicians are in a community together, when we spotlight a musician, they all back it up and they push it. So story-based podcast that connects with a community grows a great audience. And 23, 24 episodes in now, officially launched in November, we're in May, so however many months that is, our overall organic reach, our total impact user reach is over half a million. Wow. Which is four times the size of the real Hernando. But it all goes back to local. I found, you know, I tapped into another community that is, I'm passionate about, and we're interviewing good people 
in person, which makes for a better interview too. There's one piece in there that I wanted you to unpack for the listeners. You were talking about testing equipment and stuff. One thing that I think entrepreneurs can get themselves sort of caught up in is trying to make it perfect. And so I've seen people start podcasts with Zoom recordings, with their AirPods as their microphone. The most important thing is that you get started. Number one, your first episodes, no one's going to really hear them. Like maybe people will go back and listen to episode one, et cetera, et cetera. But like, this is your opportunity when not very many people are listening to get recordings under your belt, to get better at interviewing, to have conversations, to learn lessons, make mistakes. And you can start to upgrade stuff as you go. I mean, I still use the Meteor mic. It looks like RTD2. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I don't have a boom mic necessarily, you know. I've got a little light in front of me now, which helps brighten me up. I got this poster to go behind me for 30 bucks from Staples. You don't have to make it a huge production to get started. What you do need to do is you need to find a way to take stuff off of your plate that's going to stop you. For me, that was the editing. And that's why I got you. It was the only way. But I don't know if you have any comment on that as well, like the minimum viable thing to get started. Absolutely. Zoom audio quality is wildly accepted in this community, the podcast community. But here and there, I'll get people like, oh, I always wanted to start a podcast. How do I start? You know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, here's what you do. You want to do it with a friend, like a co-host, or you you mentioned you want to do an interview style podcast. Okay, well, get that person across from you. Get your phone, open up the voice memo app, hit record, put it in front of you and interview that person. Or do that solo episode. And you'll quickly realize maybe you don't like doing it. Maybe it's not you. Or maybe you like it just enough where you think, you know what? Okay, that wasn't that bad. I'll try it again. Oh, now you know what? I think I think I'm willing to invest a little money in this. Let's get a Yeti mic. Let's, you know, okay, you know, if you tried the phone trick and you were just lost and like, this isn't really me at all. Well, you just saved yourself a lot of time, headache and money. So that's what I always say. You can start as simple as that. And then honestly, if you want and you you recorded this really cool interview on your phone, you can still use it. <laughs> you know, it's it's okay. Yeah, I think that's right. And there's a lot of easy tech out there that can get you started. We use Riverside for our recording so we can do the video. There's stuff out there. If anybody's interested or has questions, you know, feel free. I mean, when this gets posted and you hear this, make a comment, ask. We'll tell you exactly what we do to make this work, where we started, everything. So mm-hmm. don't hesitate to reach out in the community and, and ask questions. And I couldn't do what I do without my team. The Real Hernando social media process and system there's no way. Not only do I not have time, but I don't have the expertise. I have luckily someone on my team that's way better at it than me and has the time. And that's the reach. So let's go back to the reach and, and micro content. You know, I cut up all these podcasts and I push out clips. The Real Hernando is on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Apple, Spotify. We have our own website and we're pushing. That's how that reach grows in so many platforms. You add it all up. You touch a lot of people. Now, when I say reach, we're not talking just only downloads. Everyone gets stuck on downloads and views. Don't do that. It's good. You want downloads. You want people listening. But if done right, 
with social media, that's where your big reach gets in. That's where it comes in. And that's where you can really start building your audience and different age demographics. Facebook's different than TikTok, two totally different groups of people. So you want to spread out. You know, that's been the biggest factor for us. It's, you know, our podcast downloads are probably more for the entrepreneurs who are trying to learn about what's working for them in the grind, right? But like, Mm -hmm. how are we going to get those entrepreneurs to come listen to the podcast to learn and understand that we're creating this co-marketing community? They have to see a little clip that catches their eye out there. Absolutely. The social media is the top of funnel to get people interested. And then they go to your YouTube page and maybe they catch another few clips that interest them. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to listen to this podcast on my drive to the office today. And it's snowballed, but you need that top of funnel content because it's not like unless somebody's referred to you, it's not like somebody is as likely to find you just in Apple Podcasts. Because you just don't have enough no. reach out of the gates to get that. I hate to break it to you, but you're not that funny and entertaining. Exactly. You know, like you need to promote. We're not Mark Marin or Joe Rogan. We're not these big names that already had the name and then went into podcasting. You're nobody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are a podcast among million. That sort of pivots us into the monetization side too. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to truly monetize your podcast outside of like, for us, we, we run phys- some physical products brands. So we, you know, people hear about that and they go and they, and they can buy those. And like, you can see we've got a bunch of the brands that we interview, they get exposure and they get people buying their products. Right. Mm-hmm. But your monetization from an AdSense or some direct company you know, sponsoring your podcast, you're typically a little ways away from that. I think you personally got one very early on because of your focus. And you can probably tell that story quickly too, but don't be going into it necessarily for the thought that I'm going to create a podcast and it's going to create this monetization strategy for me. You're probably pretty far from that. Focus on building an audience. Right. If you have a ton of reach and a good audience, then the rest comes together. I always knew I was building this, the real Hernando for sponsorship. That was part of the plan going into 2023. I'm like, this is going to be sponsored. I just got to build this audience up. And the model I discovered, I came up with was like, all right, there's no way I can monetize this on downloads. It's just not, not going to happen. Right. Like, or YouTube views, but we have a great social media reach with all these clips. So, and impressions is the big one. When a post flies through your screen, that creates an impression. I call it the billboard stat. You drive by a billboard, hopefully you saw it. Hopefully the business is hoping that you looked up and saw it and that was it. You can't get real data from that. You can only go to the Department of Transportation and get an average traffic flow through that area. Social media, you get pure data. So I know any post, how many screens the post has gone through. And I'm like, okay, I've got thousands of eyeballs on these posts. So it makes sense to try to find a sponsor and put their logo on everything. Yeah, every time I do a YouTube short, I can get a thousand views in the first week for any post now. Mm -hmm. So if I can tell a sponsor, you'll get a commercial, you get a pre-roll. Your logo is going to be front-facing everywhere. So now I can legitimately honestly sell them that their logo 
and we're tagging them in this description. We're mentioning them, presented to you by. You're literally going to be in front of hundreds of thousands of people. That's the value. Yeah. And if that sponsor just has that connection with you, Mm -hmm. with your brand, with your audience, they're going to see value from a a smaller audience because you're just so laser focused on being able to serve that community. So again, I got lucky, not lucky, right place, right time. There's a retirement community here under the Methodist hospital organization, but locally they're called Wesley Meadows. I had them on the podcast as guests. Really built a good relationship with them. In conversation, I was like, yeah, I'm building towards sponsoring for next year. I'm putting my pitch together, working on my rates, still working on that. And they were like, when you're done with that pitch, send it to us, please. They became my title sponsor. That's awesome. So that was great. Leading into 2023, I started the year fresh with a title, knowing full well that I was going to try to pull some contacts and and network with the people I knew already and just try to figure out how to sponsor more different levels. Like I have a tier package. I'm happy to say I have six total now spread over three different levels and uh, they've all come in at different times. But if you extrapolate for a full year, this little itty bitty community-based podcast is pulling in 18,000 a year so far. That's the power of local. That's incredible. That's very fast as well, which is awesome in a small community. I mean... Now you're talking about covering all of the costs to produce the podcast, potentially, and some. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about that at, at Tapped Market as well. Like, if we had a, a title sponsor, which we may be looking at adding one, shout out if anybody wants to become it, that we could move from one entrepreneur interview a week to two a week and get more exposure from more brands mm-hmm. so that we can cover the costs of of operating and get more reach, just multiply the reach by putting out more content. And sponsors, they're interested in getting their reach. They they want to get their marketing and advertising. So they're legitimately getting that. I can sell it on that. But it also helps when you pitch your advertising dollars coming to me is also feeding right back to the community. Because I'm going to continue to brighten and widen that spotlight in better and bigger ways on Hernando, on our businesses, on our organizations, on our community leaders, because of now the income coming in. So they can sit back and like they also look at it as a way to give back. Like, okay, I'm supporting this platform that is really feeding and doing good things for the community. If I had a great podcast that was about the band Kiss, but let's say it's good. I got good reach and legitimately can sponsor it based off of the reach. But can my local housing developing custom home building company that I'm friends with down the street really give a shit about supporting a podcast about KISS? No. But when they know that they're helping support the podcast that highlights Meals on Wheels, you know, our Palmer Home for Kids, Foster Home, our local art council, that helps. That's a big factor. The other thing that people can do if they're trying to monetize early on is there's a platform called Patreon. If you don't have like an e-commerce brand, let's say, where you can you're, you have a community that's trying to push people towards a specific product or something, but you're bringing content that's serving an audience, if you're serving them in a way that warrants support, Patreon's a great way. People can literally subscribe to you and say, hey, mm-hmm. this guy's content's worth a dollar a month or $10 a month, or you can give them premium features like 
early access to downloads or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, go check it out. It's a unique way to monetize podcasts early on when you have a really strong connection with your community and it may offset some of your costs. I use it. I haven't signed up for tap. I think long-term it's going to be a great play just for covering some of those basic costs when you're really adding value. So I use it for my music podcast and I created a $1 tier called the tip jar, right? Everyone, every band has a tip bucket in front of the stage, right? A tip jar. And I'm up front. There is no premium content in there. If you like this show, throw us a tip. That's a dollar a month. If you can spare $12 a year, awesome. And it's not about someone not wanting to spend a dollar a month. It's about pulling up this app they've never heard of, setting up an account, putting their credit card in it. You know, that is an ask. But if you're in the right community that gets it, then you can, a lot of podcasts and YouTube channels utilize it really well that can really give an extra, you know, revenue stream. But I would say, Starting now, any podcaster out there, starting right now, get a Patreon account, set it all up, create a $1 tier for nothing. It's just a way to support the podcast. And starting right now for every single intro and outro you do for your podcast, you talk about it. And just start saying it. Don't just say it once and throw it out there and announce it. And that's it. You do every intro. Because what could happen is you might not be getting much action now, but Podcasting has a long tail. YouTube channels, all of a sudden, after three years of hard work, all of a sudden pops, boom. All of a sudden, it jumps 5,000 subscribers and it's and it's exploded. You have three years of content talking tip jar, tip jar, tip jar, tip jar, tip jar. It's already embedded. It's all there. It's just like planting seeds. So that's kind of how I look at this most simplest way to use Patreon without having to create that extra content. But yeah, if you want to scale up, then you give them unique content for 10 bucks a month. That's an easy way to use it. Yep. I like that. So tell us, where are you going from here? What else are you going to offer the community? And how can we help support you? Well, now it's it's all about finding my place locally. To this day, I still hit Upwork. It's still a great platform. That's ultimately been the best way for me to market and get virtual clients and then referrals and Troy, you've referred me to some people you've, you've sent some business my way, which is really awesome. And I'm going to continue that. But now locally, I got a studio to pay for, you know, so a facility that people can rent and come in and use. And I'm starting to get some local podcasts that come in here that I produce for, but now I get this cool opportunity where they sit at this table and I get to be more hands-on with them, which is nice. I joined a BNI chapter, big into networking I'm really just trying to take that to the next level and think of different ways to make little commercials for businesses, local businesses, because to be honest, a lot of these businesses right here on the strip are not a good customer for a podcast, like a traditional long form podcast. They're just not. They're a different kind of entrepreneur. You know, they are a boutique owner, but they're great at TikTok because they're younger. So it's just like, all right, how do I get them to outsource stuff to me? You know, and that's really where I'm still trying to find my place. For sure. But in terms of your community, Troy, and, and, and the people I'm talking to right now that are a part of that strong virtual sort of entrepreneurial place that we all live in, anyone that A, is finally deciding you want to start a podcast, I can take you from idea to iTunes. I, we can walk you through the whole process. But then we're really built 
without even trying, I built a company that was very strong in production, building, the editing, the management, the systemizing. And that's what we're best at. And we are equipped to handle as much audio and video editing as possible. And I broke the ceiling. I'm scalable. I have a team behind me. So you'll get quality editing on a very timely fashion. Uh, Your podcast will be published on time. Sometimes you get a chase down your host for show notes but that's you know sometimes (laughs) (laughs) that's really it like if anyone is wanting to unload your audio editing that's the ultimate can i challenge you on one thing sure one thing i think that you can do to try to get more customers for yourself because i think a lot of people don't do a good job doing this even in sort of the e-com space that we operate a lot in it's Go create some of those video testimonials. Come to guys like me and say, hey, can we take five minutes and just you and me record a quick back and forth testimonial? Because you can put that on Upwork. Mm -hmm. You can put that out into social media. You can put that on your website. And that's what everybody wants to see. It's it's user-generated content. It's honest. It's referral-based. It's saving people time. They know they want this. They don't want to have to even ask you for it. In the next 30 days, I would love, by the time this episode comes out, I would love to see you with a few video testimonials from customers that you work with praising what you're doing because every business should be doing that. Every business shouldn't be ashamed to ask their great customers who are spending good hard-earned dollars. If you ask 10, nine of them will say yes. I mean, yeah. they really do want to support you. The only reason why they say no is because they're probably just freaked out on video or they don't just literally don't have the time. Other than that, they're probably more than likely to put something together with you and help you in your business because they appreciate the work that you're doing with and for them. Well, you're going to be my first person I call. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> but you're right. You know, and th- those are the little things that you learn as you go and, and, that's always been my struggle is how to market myself. You know, it's always, it's always been a grind and I'm learning the local way and it's strong. It's a handshake networking. I encourage any business, whether you're selling a product or a service, connect with a local BNI chapter, get involved with your chamber, meet people. And then you start finding people that could use you or you could use them, but then you start getting referrals and, it's just powerful in person. I'm a big fan. That's the future of this. You know, I envision having multiple studios all humming at the same time and I have a little engineers in each room. And, you know, I just, I have big dreams for having like a real studio now. And that doesn't happen without that first podcast called Pod Logics, which I took what I learned from that to make the real Hernando. And then it did so much stuff for me. And then I took from that and Now I get this juggernaut music podcast that I'm building a website and a pitch deck for it too now. So let's get that puppy up to 20 grand a year. And like, I don't know many people that are with a couple different podcasts making 40, 50 grand a year. Yeah. Just because of the podcast, but it's possible. I'm telling you, if I can do it, (laughs) you can do it. Like if you're a smart entrepreneur and you're engaging with this and, and you know how to do everything I told you to do, and, and it is absolutely possible. If you if you create something that has a great audience, that gives value, and has real reach, 
businesses will want to attach themselves to it. They just will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think you said it perfectly, Derek. I appreciate your time. We'll keep having you back too, because I think that I think we can get into some of the nitty gritty stuff that people will find valuable down the road here too. I'll be posting this info to everybody. If anybody is just podcast curious, reach out to Derek and you know, you guys can talk about quoting it. Shelby There's a free consultation in there. 15 minutes. Click that button. Sends you to Calendly. Go ahead and book a time. Free consultations. Exactly. You guys will have fun. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your time, Derek. And likewise, this is awesome. For I love working with you too. I, I pick on you about the show notes, but you know, maybe someday. Well, I mean, you, you last time you sent me two show notes for two episodes. So that was nice. You know, you got a little bit ahead. If you would just email me from the love of your heart, I wouldn't have to not turn my stuff in so that you email me. <laughs> that's just how we keep our friendship that's how we communicate exactly but uh but awesome troy and i you look you got something going good you get it you are using podcasting and digital content in the right way you're building a community you know every community is different you're doing it in a really neat way you're pushing businesses you're pushing their products you're giving them value so keep doing what you're doing and i'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it thank you brother have a good one all right man you too Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes. So we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.